Well, hey, welcome to the show. It's your hosts, Bill Libsey and Shelly Way. Hi, Shelly. Hey, Bill. How, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. How, good. how are you? Typical madness. I'm okay. Yeah. Typical madness of planning. Planning, planning. Why aren't yeah. planning right now, Shelly? Oh, I, I am. Can't you see all the planning going on right here? I see it. Yep. I thought we, I thought we actually um, finished March Madness. I think we now now we're into April. Yeah, there was a uh, basketball no game last night. <laughs> yes, no fooling. Right. I just now got that. All right, I think uh, I think I think we're ready for a fun one, aren't we? I'm ready for a fun one, huh? and I, I love our guest that we have today. I do too. I don't I don't know if he knows that we love him, but we do. Well, I think we're pretty pretty happy to get him back here today because we had him on our quote-unquote Microsoft internal podcast, but now we're out in the public, we're out in the wild. We're so, take it on the road. Taking it on the road. And we've got our friend architect Jeff with us today. Welcome, did Jeff. You say we're in the, did you say we're in the wild today? I didn't bring my safari outfit. Oh, you should. You should. So, well, thanks for inviting me back. It's always fun to hang out with the cool kids in class, so I appreciate it. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. We've given you a new title, too, Architect Jeff. Oh, okay. Like our, wow. You're you're like our own personal Bill Nye the Science Guides, our, our architect Jeff. Architect we're, Jeff. That sounds like a t-shirt. Yeah, we're going to start having you on multiple episodes, you know, mm-hmm. like alongside Jim Fowler and interesting animals and right. stuff. Yeah. For, a real variety <laughs> show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff's like, what did I sign up for? <laughs> I know. I don't know, but you guys always make it fun, so thank you. Oh, thank you. appreciate that. Um, and today we're going to talk about something super fun. Which I know is very dear to your heart, hybrid and arc. Yeah. Ooh, I love hybrid. And not everybody knows what what arc is. Why don't we start off, Jeff? By can you give us an elevator version of how you would describe if you were in the elevator with somebody? How would you describe what arc is? Well, first, I have to understand the audience. Am I am I talking about Noah here and and historical biblical things, or are we talking about a Jure arc? Yeah, bring them in two by two. <laughs> Good reference. Good reference. <laughs> Yeah. I try to keep up with the cool yeah. series. Yeah, yeah, very hip and relevant. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, uh, so um Azure is that Arc, bridge. What is that? Oh yeah, it's the bridge. We were talking about that, I think, just before we got serious and started recording here. So Azure Arc is a, a bridge really from the Azure control plane out to talk to other things that are not in Azure. And I hope as part of our conversation today we're gonna to talk about Arc enabling servers and maybe Arc enabling SQL and data services and app services. And I think there's all kinds of things that can be Arc enabled and there's a whole lot of benefits to that. So hopefully we'll get into that time permitting today, but I'm excited to talk to people about, okay, you've got all this great stuff on-prem. Well, you know what? We can help you manage that. We can Arc enable your servers and manage that all, whether they're on-prem or maybe you have some other cloud stuff. Maybe you're a multi-cloud person and you've got stuff on-prem, we can all manage that from a central place because we can connect all your non-Azure resources through Arc. And it's for everybody, right? It doesn't matter. You could be a DBA, a developer, an infrastructure manager. It's That's all about getting control, right? Yeah, so we love to Arc enable stuff and, and um, we can always start like real simple, we can Arc enable your servers, but there's a whole lot of other things that are out there. Some people are pretty modern, you know, they're on-prem and maybe they're running Kubernetes on-prem. We can manage their Kubernetes cluster, actually any CNCF certified cluster from Azure by Arc enabling it. We can manage SQL servers. 
managed instance, all kinds of really, really cool stuff. Um, so hopefully you guys can steer me down the right path. We can talk about all the cool stuff. And then I think we need to talk about the benefit of that as well, because once I connect stuff up to Azure, I get to really benefit from all that cloud computing power up there and the innovation that happens in the cloud. And we can connect things like Defender for cloud, and it can warn us to potential vulnerabilities. And so there's all sorts of really cool side benefits of ARC enabling your infrastructure. So let's get going. That sounds good. I think we can steer there during the pandemic. Or I mean, the last three years, it's we've all been talking about like remote work and business continuity and focusing on employee and customer health and safety. And I think these are all super critical things that changed the world for the last couple, three years. But I was just wondering, like, how do you think that, you know, why are we here at kind of ARC today talking about modernizing, optimizing, innovating? How did all that stuff that happened shape the conversation of where we are now? Well, I think over the course of the pandemic, and it's been a long, hard road. Yeah. I think we all started doing things a lot more virtually, right? Uh, we probably started running instances of Microsoft Office, right? We're running Office 365. We don't have Office installed on our laptops anymore. That's like old stuff. It's up yeah. there in the cloud. I remember we those days. It. And, and maybe it's Teams, you know, maybe it's Yammer, maybe it's other things that we use. It's all in the cloud and we could just use it when we want to. And so we don't have to maintain that stuff. It's just up there in the cloud somewhere. And so there's a whole lot uh, more acceptance, I think, of running things in the cloud and if we look at the companies that have been breached, uh, a lot of them are running their on-prem data servers, right? So they're running on-prem. You, you can't protect against a hyperscale attack when you're running on-prem. And, and let's face it, the attackers out there, they're well-organized, they're well-funded. They've got a lot of computing power. They've got a lot of time. And they're after our data and our money. So we got to protect against that. And the safest place really is in the hyperscale cloud. And I agree that hackers are, are well-funded and self-funded. They are. If they do anything right, even though they're doing bad things, the one thing that they do do right is they pay for their own time with our money. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> you got that shit out. Man, <laughs> I feel a little under the weather today, so. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. fighting a bit of a cold. I oh, have... it's not good. It's all good. I'm going to cut that out. Okay. <laughs> was, all right. That was terrible. <laughs> Jeff, one of the things that you talk about is meeting customers where they're at. You know, so you've got customers who, you know, they're not, they're going to, may not be ready to go all in to the cloud. When you talk about hybrid and ARC, talk about a little bit about what customers are telling you about what, the, what their plans to move to the cloud and certain situations where, you know, maybe they, they need to continue on with a, a hybrid environment. Overwhelmingly, I'd say a high 90% of the clients that I talk with, they say they have a cloud strategy. And about the same percentage think they have a multi-cloud strategy. So they're thinking about the cloud, but um, their maturity with acceptance of cloud technology varies greatly. So while they have a cloud plan and it's in their strategy, maybe they haven't tactically moved forward on that. And so the variety of clients is really, I think I've talked with maybe four or five clients already today and each one was different. And some of them are saying, you know, we're running a POC in the cloud and we want to go all in because we're only paying for what we use. You know, we used to provision stuff. People would tell us our project's this big. And if you can't see, my hands are really wide apart. Huge. Uh -huh. 
But what they realize is that they're buying and, and, and procuring and deploying for peak capacity, and they're not using all that capacity all the time. And so it costs a lot for the power, the cooling, the people to maintain all that stuff. Why not put it in the cloud and only pay for what I actually use? So there's some really cool like cost savings benefits along with the security benefits that we talked about. But I think everyone starts with probably ARC enabling some servers. And so I have some servers, they're running on-prem, but you know what? Most of my people don't want to come in and work in my data center. They're working from remote and, you know, I've lost some IT staff. There's lots of people switching jobs. I lost some skills. I have a skills gap with this. You know, can you just come in and manage this server? Don't touch my data, but can you manage the infrastructure, the physical server? And so we can just arc enable that server and we can manage it from Azure. And I think we might've just talked about, there's some benefits of that, like, oh, now I get some information because in Azure, I have to know if your on-prem resource is healthy or not. So it's sending me a heartbeat saying, I'm okay. I'm ready to do some work. Well, we could turn that up a little bit and it could send more data. And now we would know there's some abnormal activity on that machine and we could alert people and we don't just alert you to some abnormal activity. We can actually recommend a remediation to take care of that vulnerability and bring your device back in compliance again and make it safe. Azure Arc is a technology that allows us to manage everything centrally from Azure, but that stuff that we're talking about, it could be in Azure, it could be on-prem, it could be in some other cloud. Yeah, let's go into a little more about what is it uh, and how it can help customers. So it, it sounds like most of our customers are committed to having a cloud strategy, and that can be both a, in, in most cases, it's going to have some elements of a hybrid opportunity. Uh, Arc, it's really a cloud-based service that extends Azure, uh, the Microsoft Hyperscale Cloud, the control plane into your data center or wherever your resources are. And then you can really do centralized monitoring. You can use policies to maintain compliance. You can do update management, change tracking, inventory management. And what we were just talking about, probably the most important thing to most people today is threat detection and security vulnerability management and auditing. And that's very important in these days of ransomware and all sorts of weird attacks going on. And so all that extra stuff can happen and really provide a greater security than what you would typically have on-prem. I, I think in the old days when people put everything on-prem, they kind of said, oh, the firewall is my network security perimeter and anything inside my network is fine. But now people are accessing that network from mobile devices. They're accessing it, you know, wherever they are. And so you can't just say everything inside my firewall is safe because that's not really the case anymore. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. so uh, you know, automation, I'm thinking about all this awesome stuff. We've been doing automation and monitoring and a lot of these other tooling things through, I mean, go way back, right? SMS and mom, <laughs> I'll pull out some old acronyms for you. Is our evolution of on-prem tools, and I know that, you know, even those things evolved into some early cloud-based tools like Intune for client management and stuff like that, or is, is Arc all new tooling for Microsoft? Well, that's a very interesting question. And um, were we talking about your mom there or were we talking about message-oriented middleware? Don't you talk about my mom. Okay. <laughs> so my mother is a saint. As is mine. Bless her. 
Um, so I think a lot of the capabilities and the things that we learned that allowed us to build what we had today um, came from on-prem. So, I mean, that's our heritage. We, we kind of started with on-prem, right? We started as an operating system. That's where Microsoft started. And so uh, I think it builds on top of, you know, we're standing on the shoulders of others. Um, but I will tell you that the monitoring um, very much came from on-prem. So we've been able to monitor Windows things, right? There's some stuff that detects abnormal activity. And you might have had something on-prem that actually, you know, monitored your infrastructure and alerted you to certain things. But everyone, regardless of their size, they can't afford that sort of monitoring and management infrastructure. But regardless of how big they are, they all have the same sort of problems. They all have the same sort of vulnerabilities. It's just some of them can't afford the IT staff and all the software and all the infrastructure it takes to do that level of management to protect against the today's threats. And so if we manage that centrally, we gain some volumes of scale and we're not having to update every on-prem everything. We just update one central management place for every new vulnerability that comes out. And I don't know if you caught Satya's talk recently, but he was talking about the change just in the last year. And I think we went from monitoring 43 trillion threat signals a day to like 65 trillion wow. threat signals a day. And we're talking about, you know, everyone that runs any Microsoft products, people that use Xbox, um, people that use our cloud. Um, and so that's a lot of threat intelligence that we analyze. And so I think we are aware of things and build in patches very, very quickly. But what I found out talking to my partners in the security business is that we'll put out a patch and sometimes it'll go months before people actually update their on-premise software. And so their vulnerability, from the time we discover the vulnerability until the time they actually apply the patch, they're vulnerable. Now, our time to apply a patch in the cloud is very, very small, but we make the patch available to clients. If they don't install it on-prem, you know, they're exposed. Uh, and, and so there's other benefits of us kind of managing that, that security infrastructure. And let's be real. Um, I think the security perimeter we talked about historically of everything inside my firewall is safe, that, that's not really the case anymore. And I think identity is the new security perimeter. So when you sign into the cloud, it's going to look where you're signing in from. Is it possible you signed in from Canada earlier today and now you're in Mexico? Well, possible, but what if you're on the other side of the world? Maybe not. So we can take user risk, device risk, location risk, all these things together and say, Bill, is that really you? If that's really you, I need your fingerprint or I need some sort of multi-factor authentication, something you know, something you have, and something you are. <laughs> uh, and that's our multi-factor authentication. And you know what? That simple step of MFA cuts down on 90% of the attack vectors out there. It's amazing. Yeah, I know as an employee, obviously we use multi-factor authentication and I don't know about you guys, but do you occasionally get a false, like somebody tried to, it'll, it'll say, you know, Brazil or, you know, someplace I clearly am not right now. I'll get a notification that somebody tried to authenticate whatever on office or another application. And I will say, no, that was not me. Absolutely. That happens every day. Yeah. And most of the attacks out there are because of stolen credentials, right? So yeah. if, if you if you think about the way people exfiltrate, and people actually buy passwords, right? They're stolen and compromised and sold on the dark web. Um, so 
I think you really want, let me tie us back. <laughs> I think you really want to arc enable your infrastructure, whether it's servers or databases or data services, because we're going to provide that extra security for you. And from the top down, Microsoft is a security company. That's what we do. Microsoft's built on trust. Have you heard that before? I have heard, heard that. that one. Yeah. <laughs> Someone said that. I can't remember yeah. who. Yes. So it's our name starts really with an S, is. not Shelly, though. <laughs> Some other person. Is yeah. it, who else? Could, who could that be? So I was yeah, just going to put a like in a nutshell. Then, if I think now, when I think about Arc, I should think about Arc as automation, Arc as security, Arc as monitoring, and it and it can do it across. It doesn't matter whether I have it in Azure. We prefer you have it in Azure, of course, but it could be both my on-prem and my Azure-based cloud resources. And did I hear you say it could potentially be things in another hyperscale cloud as well? Oh, absolutely. And so I'm running some environments now where um, the client has things, believe it or not, in AWS. They have things in GCP. Uh, they have well, I would, I would believe it. They, they've got a pretty good, decent-sized cloud. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, if you, if you look at the way people um, talk about, I have to run a workload. And, and they do server sizing, right? And they determine what server is the right size to run my workload. Why not think about your workload and put it in the right cloud? Uh, maybe your workload is already using S3 buckets. And so you need to be in Amazon, right? There's different advantages to different clouds. And why don't you run your workload where it's appropriate? But I, I think you need to securely manage everything from one place because you can't keep up with all the different management tools and every different cloud and every different on-prem environment across all the vendors you have in your on-prem environment. So earlier I mentioned we work with any CNCF certified Kubernetes cluster. I don't care if it's VMware, Tanzu. I don't care if it's Red Hat. Um, I was going to uh, say it does support Red Hat too, right? Yes. Red Hat OpenShift is supported VMware, Tanzu. Uh, along with AKS and EKS and a bunch of other AKS things. Um, and so we support all of those. And so we are really an open platform because we're all about standards, right? And, and and so you get a central management place and you can connect and manage and monitor and protect everything that's ARC enabled. And it could be ARC enabled on your on-prem or in some other hyperscale cloud and you can be running across those, but manage them all in one place. And so I was sure. talking with a client recently and they have, they were trying Kubernetes stuff and they have some locally and they have some in GCP and they have some in AWS. And they're saying, we can't find people to maintain it because you know, the tools look different in AWS. They look different in GCP, they look different over here. And they're saying, well, we can monitor all that from one central location. And you know what? It's the same tools you use to monitor your infrastructure today that you have in Azure. And so it's ease of simplicity, but it's also, you're not buying things from all these different vendors and trying to figure out how to plug them all together. We have a complete stack end to end fully integrated. And you know, if you've got something running on-prem and it's running Microsoft operating system, why don't we just arc enable it and manage that? And, and I think we need to talk just a little bit about the breadth of things that we can cover. So we talked about, oh, I can arc enable a server. Well, I just mentioned Microsoft because, you know, that's that's a popular term. And 
And so we, from the Azure Arc perspective, can manage everything from like a Windows Server 2008 through like 2022. We can do Windows 10 and 11, uh, Azure Stack HCI, but also all different flavors of Linux. So Ubuntu 1604, 1804, 2022.04, um, LTS, all those guys. We mentioned Red Hat Enterprise Linux before, but 789 are supported. Uh, CentOS 7 and 8 are supported. Debian 10 and 11 are supported. But you know what? You probably also have databases. We can manage your uh, data server. So there's Arc enabled SQL Server. There's an Arc enabled Postgres. Uh, I think we do some other databases as well. There's some open source databases that we Arc enable. And so monitor and manage all that centrally and get a security dashboard that alerts you to any vulnerabilities anywhere across your multi-cloud environment or on-prem and gives you a patch. And you know what? When you look at this um, from the Azure perspective, and that alerts you to a vulnerability, lots of times you can click on that and it'll say, here's how you remediate it. And there's some steps that you can go through. But here's what I love. It's on the bottom. There's a blue fix button. And I love this fix button because it automatically remediates things for you. You know, explains exactly what you want to do. You can follow these steps or just click here. It's an easy button. And so you can press that button and it'll go across to multiple instances, multiple environments and apply this patch. And you're not waiting for your security team or your IT team to coordinate and go around to every machine and physically install a patch or log into each machine and install a patch. You've connected it all to your central security system and we're applying a real-time patch to make you safe and remediate that vulnerability and keep you compliant. It's a beautiful story. That is beautiful. And who doesn't like the easy button, especially when it's secure uh, and 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 easy as customers are trying to find you know ways to automate, re reduce the level of risk. You know, that's that's super important. Uh, I like the way you, you mentioned that, because when we do this, we can actually set up a policy and a policy will monitor the compliance. It's kind of like uh, you have to have this operating system or higher, or we have to have this patch level or higher. You only want to deploy resources in this region because you have some data residency or sovereignty requirements. And so we write a policy and when you provision new things, it automatically applies all the security things and provisions it compliant with your IT guidance. And That's so amazing. I and I, I, I was going to ask you about that, Jeff, because, uh, you know, not only do you have the needs of the organization, but, you know, we're global. So there's different regulatory connectivity needs across the globe. So how does it help that? Well, there's all sorts of standards out there. And, and so uh, NIST or SIS or ISO 2701, or there's a bunch of different standards out there. And when you look at your Azure security dashboard, it will tell you you're compliant with these standards. Um, and, and it will tell you, here's the one where you're least compliant. And if you click on it, it'll give you a list of absolutely everything in a color-coded chart, right? Here's a bar chart. You're green, you're green, you're yellow. Oops, you're red here. And, and, and it'll tell you how to improve your security compliance. And that will really improve your security posture. I saw a demo just the other day of the security co-pilot. Have you heard Satya's talk about all the co-pilots out there? He's so hearing about it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a co-pilot for Office or for teams that make recommendations. Well, 
How about if the security co-pilot just alerts you to different things that need your attention and you can speak to it in a natural language or I can type a prompt, right? I can respond to a prompt. The technology is just evolving so cool and I'm just happy to be on something that's uh, on the leading edge like that. Um, yeah. So our partnership with ChatGPT is, I think, really, really paying off. Yeah, I just got back from vacation. I was kind of hoping I'd be totally co-pilot enabled when I got back to just say, hey, <laughs> just ask the chat GPT genius, uh, hey, what did I miss? Anything? Well, you know, what do I need to catch up on rather than trying to sort through? I think I had well over a thousand messages and instant messages and stuff like that to take through when I got back. So it would have been cool to to just have the AI, my AI overlord do it for me. Yeah, that is just amazing technology. I think I was double or triple booked for meetings the other day and I said, follow this meeting because I couldn't physically attend multiple meetings at the same time. Oh, that's and at the end of the meeting, it sent me a summary and, and highlighted where my name was mentioned if I had any actions that were updatable. So thinking about, you know, it looked at all the audio transcripts and transcribed that and did some really cool stuff to tell me, hey, Jeff, you're supposed to be doing this. But think about the volume of data that's out there related to security and all the things going across your network. A person can't possibly keep up with that volumetric data, right? So if you get some AI capabilities looking across all that and telling you where you need to focus your time, that's truly amazing. And amazing. I don't have to learn all these different tools. I want to interact yeah. in my natural language. Yeah. Oh, did you know that we arc enabled Kubernetes? And we I can did. monitor your Kubernetes and make sure that it's up to date. So there's this little thing called a kubelet in there that controls each of your worker nodes. That's Sorry adorable. to get technical on you, but, but I know it just has this a cute kubelet. name. <laughs> yeah, it does have a cute name, but you know what? It changes all the time. And they only maintain like three back levels. And I'm all the time getting alerted. Well, you should update your kubelet, whatever, whatever. And I'm thinking, you know, it'd be really nice um, if I was running everything in the cloud and it could just automatically do that for me. So silly me, uh, I do some of my playing on, on I'll call it on-prem, but they're actually on-desk resources here where I'm running a local Kubernetes cluster. But if I ARC enabled that, I wouldn't have to worry about applying all those updates myself. And so that is really cool. Um, and when I have ARC-enabled Kubernetes, you know those machine learning services we talked about earlier? ARC-enabled machine learning services? They can be automatically deployed to my ARC-enabled Kubernetes. And I can have ARC-enabled app services. So think of anything I would develop as a web app. So a web app, I get it through a browser, right? It uses HTTP. I can deploy a web app in the cloud. That's easy. And I only get charged for the resources I use. But I could take that same code and deploy it on-prem right next to my data because we have ARC-enabled app services and we have ARC-enabled data services and we have an ARC-enabled SQL server or a SQL managed instance. And so ARC is managing really the whole stack, whether it's on-prem or in the cloud. So all the way from your front level application, your web application, into your application logic that's in your container, into your database, because we support SQL Manager, Postgres, ARC enabled. So I think that is really cool. We can manage your entire stack, take care of all your infrastructure, and make sure it's secure regardless of where it is. That's pretty amazing. That is amazing. And you can feed your kubelet. Yes. It's important right. to not feed those after dark. Remember that. Yes. So a couple of things we haven't talked about, though, we talked about ARC enabling servers and this and that and, and data services and app services. But 
I know a lot of clients that I talk with personally are running VMware out there. And so I would like to mention that there is an ARC-enabled VMware. And so if you have VMware infrastructure and you're going, yeah, I'm not going to ARC-enable each of my individual servers because I'm running hundreds of virtual machines on VMware, well, we yeah. can just ARC-enable your VMware. And then from ARC, from your central management and control plane in Azure, you can stop and start any virtual machine running on VMware. You can control access and tag it and remove or update network interfaces. You could, you know, update or add disk or extend those or add more resources to any virtual machine out there, all controlled through um, Azure Arc to VMware vSphere. So basically Arc enabling then the host yes. rather than the uh, individual down to the VMs because I might have thousands of VMs. And you might manage those today with VMware. That's perfectly acceptable. Lots of people do that. VMware is really cool technology, but if you want to automate that and, and not have to, you know, log into each VMware vSphere environment and do that, can I just do something centrally and update all of my connected VMware vSphere instances? Or maybe I'm in a different type of environment and I'm running the Azure Stack Hyperconverged Infrastructure, HCI. It uses the same technology as the Arc-enabled VMware, and it uses this thing called a resource bridge to control your virtualized infrastructure. So again, multiple hangs out there, hanging out on different infrastructure, and we abstract all that technical detail away and give you a nice portal interface where you can just say, yep, I need to update this VM, or I need to deploy this to multiple VMs, or upgrade all my VMs to this latest patch level. That's cool. That's pretty Mine powerful. So uh, if I could, because uh, we're getting probably towards the end of our time. I see, I'm, look, I'm looking at the clock. I know, right? I do want to kind of tie everything together, though, with, uh, and like ARC does so much for everything. We've talked about so many different roles, you know, databases, infrastructure, security. What does, if we could tie it all together, I'm an organization, enterprise organization, let's say, what does orchestration around ARC look like for me? You know, is there a, a dedicated group that needs to be running this? Does it go into an existing group? Are things orchestrated out among multiple roles? What's this look like? Well, that's a, a, a big, but yet a very good question. Um, I'm full so of those. <laughs> Um, a lot of the infrastructure management typically flows up through some IT organization. But I think that's actually an on-prem type statement because typically in Azure, we don't have a person managing individual IT. They're at a kind of abstracted level and they're generating policies to manage all of their resources more efficiently and effectively. And so I'll say that... Um, you still need your IT people. You still need, you know, knowledge of people on staff, on-prem. Um, but when you go to the cloud, I think you're gaining productivity tools and a lot of automation. And so you don't need as many people to manage the, I'll call it, digital expanse that is now your current compute environment. We talked a little bit earlier about how from one place I can manage all the resources regardless of where they are. 
And there's a lot of automated remediation that can be applied centrally. And so I think a lot of this is now, instead of me having to log in and everyone on my team having to log into all the different VMware environments or all the different SQL Server environments and apply some patch manually, interactively, is that I have some people that manage policy and they determine the priority of things. And maybe I'm alerted to security kind of risks and, and I apply things in a certain order, but I can automate that application of that remediation across many different resources in parallel, speeding the time to remediation, shrinking that vulnerability window. Um, and so I think that automation is the really key aspect here. And of course, the overall productivity boost because I'm managing it all centrally. I don't have to physically log into every different thing to manually apply a patch. You know, Jeff, a lot of times uh, people need to go through and sort of go through the scenarios and the examples. There are some really great um, publicly available Azure Arc jumpstarts that go through the scenarios where you can sort of test it out. Um, you know, I think that would be a great resource for, you know, folks to take a look at. I agree. That is an excellent source of information. You could install the whole ArcBox full and get everything that we talked about today and probably a whole lot more because they're always doing updates at the ArcBox team. Um, but you can carve it down and say, I want to press a button and I want to deploy this ArcBox in my subscription and I'm focused on DevOps today. And so you deploy the ArcBox for DevOps. I think one of my clients are talking about skill gaps, right? And they have so many people yeah. leaving the organization. They come in, they get skilled up, and then they learn the infrastructure. But you know what? Um, people don't update their infrastructure that often, and so they get a little bit bored and they want to go somewhere else. Uh, here's my resume, but I want to learn something new. I have a job offer to go over here. But think if we could offer them constant innovation that comes out available in the cloud and they can constantly learn new things, develop their skills, and actually respond faster to security incidents. I think that that many people would love that engagement from their IT and security staff, and they'd probably have a much better retention level um, because people are always excited about learning and applying new technologies, right? I know that I am. Yeah. Opening new doors, yep. Exactly. I feel like that's what this technology kind of does is really allow you to spread your wings and, and fly across maybe things that you never would have thought of or considered before in, in your organization. I'll be able to do it in one spot. Totally. Well, thanks for having me today. It's always a pleasure to be able to come on and, and talk with you guys. I'm going to spend the next hour catching up on everything uh, that I heard because uh, my brain does not process as quickly as, as Shelly's or Jeff's. So. I'll probably go back. It's so not true. <laughs> Architect Jeff, it was wonderful to have you again. Well, thank you for inviting me back, Bill. Um, I, I know that it was really Shelly who was the influence there because she says she loves me. I heard it earlier in the show. I'm not sure I was supposed to hear that, but yeah. I did. I do. I do. <laughs> I admit it freely. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, so thank you. I'll love right back at you guys, everybody. Appreciate it. You too, Sally. Thanks for getting us all started here.